Hey, welcome back to the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO. And I'm your host, Doug Lear. The last shot, the last shot for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Uh, we still have a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. We're going to get you a podcast extra with Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors, uh, and you can listen to them. You listen to Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors on Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. We know not everybody can listen to them on Saturday mornings. We know not everybody can listen to a podcast. So we break out a podcast extra for you each and every weekend. Before we do that, let's get you a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. You read her work in Dakota Country Magazine. She is an award-winning outdoors communicator, and she connects with uh, the people and the places, the bait shops, the gas stations, the motels, the resorts, the guides, to give us a better idea of where people are going, what they're doing, what they're finding outdoors. Well, Pat, what's cooking outdoors this week? Thanks, Doug. It seems Devil's Lake anglers are having to be a little more patient for walleye lately. Try working deep with crankbaits on calm days. Otherwise, work windy shorelines with slip bobbers or spinners and bottom bouncers. You might also want to try going out to 22 to 25 feet throughout the main lake. Try East Bay, Pelican Lake, or Six Mile Bay. And look for some white bass on Six Mile Bay as well. Reports are scant from Japestown and Pipestem Reservoirs. Maybe people are tired of the heat, although this week's weather was a little more tolerable. Lake Ashtabula continues producing scattered walleye success, with anglers moving around more to locate fish. Try the weeds in 5 to 10 feet over islands in the channel, using slip bobbers. There's fair panfish and pike success, and there's even some catfish mixed in occasionally. Farther west, the Missouri River tail race is producing some catfish and a few walleye, but overall it's generally slow. Look for an occasional trout and salmon, too. Up on Lake Sakakwea, the east end is producing walleye, and the better success is around Beaver Bay on the south side, or work around Indian Hills along the north shore. Anglers working the far east end could try the Riverdale Bluffs along the south side, or Stanky or Douglas Bays on the north side. Try about 25 to 35 feet, with lindy rigs or spinners and bottom bouncers, and night crawlers. More anglers are also working crankbaits, but it's a bit trickier to release fish. And remember, when fishing in depths of 25 feet and deeper, fish typically don't survive if they're released when they come from water that deep. Salmon anglers on the east end of Lake Sakakwea are definitely enjoying nice success this summer. They're finding an ongoing bite in 65 to 85 feet over deeper water. Work the thermal climb, though. Generally, that's going to be about where they're at, depending on the... doesn't make any difference on the depth, the bottom depth. Just try to find that thermal climb. Try white-on-white flashers and squids or whole herring. Overall, salmon success has been better than in recent years, and there's still several fish in the 10-pound range showing up. Perhaps it spells good news for the fall salmon bite from shore. With hunting season fast approaching, don't forget to make sure that that four-legged hunting companion is in good condition. It's time to give them some training and conditioning workouts, but please do it when it's cool and be sure to give them plenty of water. Appreciate that report. That is Pat Stockdale, 
and she is an award-winning outdoors communicator. Again, read her work in Dakota Country Magazine and various other publications across the Midwest. Right now, it's time to get you that podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. You hear Brewer and Agri gone outdoors at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Not everybody can listen then, and not everybody can check out their podcast. So here is a podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. And we're going to chat with our buddy Jeb Williams, North Dakota Game and Fish Wildlife Division Chief. How are you doing, Jeb? I'm doing great. Thanks again for the opportunity to visit. Yeah, we love chatting with you. Uh, you always have. I mean, if we're talking anything wildlife in North Dakota, uh, I don't know too many guys that have more information about what's going on out there than you. You know, every state has their own way of issuing deer tags, deer firearm deer licenses. North Dakota, you guys took applications here earlier in the summer. You issued a bunch of tags, and then you take applications again. Where are we at with that? Are all the firearm deer tags all used up now, or are they all in people's hands? No, not yet. They, we still have some remaining uh, antlerless licenses available in a variety of different units, and of course that that number is changing fast as they are on a first come first serve uh, situation right now. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those things that if, if people don't have a deer tag yet and they want to want to participate in the deer, deer gun season, we do have uh, several units in the, in the Western part of the state that still have licenses remaining. And uh, so I just encourage anybody to jump on our website and check and see what's available. Like I said, it's a, you know, it's a running tally. And so it's moving constantly now as far as what's available and what's not and and then you know what we'll do is this has been something we've been doing the last couple years as we we give people a few weeks and you know the opportunity for those individuals that don't have uh, like i said earlier that don't you know have a deer license already and then after that what we end up doing then is end up declaring a concurrent season and those individuals that already have a license can purchase another license they can purchase multiple licenses and then those licenses are actually good for the uh, archery season, of course, with your legal uh, legal weapons, and uh, and then deer uh, rifle season as well as muzzleloader season. So as long as somebody's using the appropriate, you know, the, the appropriate firearm or, or archery equipment in those seasons, they're able to do that. So those tags get really popular with uh, with a number of folks, and and uh, it just helps with helps with controlling deer numbers in some areas and increasing opportunity. Uh, for those individuals that really like to be out deer hunting as well. For those folks who might be interested in uh, acquiring one of these remaining tags in those uh, sections where they are available, you said status on that is available on the Game and Fish website. They can also purchase that license right online as well. Is that correct? That's yeah, that's a good point. That That's the only way they can purchase those. And so, uh, you know, we did away with uh, any type of paper applications, um, you know, several years ago. And that's just been a really efficient system and we know that there you know there are some people that is not that are not uh is is crazy about some some technology as others uh, that have a little harder navigating uh have a little more difficulty in navigating through some technology we you know there's certainly those individuals are out there and you know and we feel bad about that we try to try to bring people as along as best as possible and of course there's lots of friends and family that can help with that too but you know overall our uh, licensing system where it's all online has been a been a very efficient system and very easy way uh, for people to easily purchase licenses regardless of what it is whether it's deer or whether you're a uh, fishing license where you can purchase it actually out on the boat somewhere if somebody realizes they don't have one so just lots of efficiencies there with the online licensing system 
Yeah, it sounds like a win-win situation, not only for your department, but for the hunters. You know, we had uh, Brenton Hell, a buddy of ours on here a couple months ago, and he was briefly mentioned the new trespass regulations for this season. Um, why don't you touch on them just a little bit so that our hunters uh, know what the changes are when they get out there in the field? Yeah, that's a, that's a really important topic that uh, definitely deserves attention. And so this last legislative session, there was a new law that was passed in North Dakota, and it goes back a long ways. There's There's been a lot of a lot of differences in opinion, uh, you know, between uh, landowners and, and sportsmen organizations over the years as far as our current posting law in North Dakota, which, so prior to this legislative session, if somebody did not have their property physically posted with, with signs saying, you know, no hunting or no, no trespassing, somebody could legally enter in uh, on somebody's property and actually hunt that, hunt that. And that's, that's that's different for a lot of people in in, in other states where they don't have that, um, but it has been long uh, long standing tradition in North Dakota. So uh, you know that that change is hard for a lot of people to accept. And so there was a there was a bit of a, a compromise that was reached this last session, which introduced electronic posting in North Dakota, and it's it's the first of its kind. And so there's going to be there's going to be some hiccups. There's no doubt about that. But it's a really really innovative system to where landowners can sign up electronically uh, and post their property. And that, that deadline is passed. July 15th was the deadline for that. And, and so basically what it does, it just gives landowners an additional option to post their property. They can still post it physically with physical signs like they've been doing in the past, or they can just post it electronically online, or they can do both. Um, and so what that means for hunters is they're going to have to take an additional step in that if you come across a piece of property that is not physically posted, you're going to have to double check online to make sure that that property is not electronically posted. And um, that information is all posted on our department's website and, of course, will be available you know, all throughout the year. And so it's just going to be something that, like I said, we know people are, it's, it's going to take a little bit of a learning curve and taking some getting used to, but um, at the end of the day, I, I hope that the system works out well for, uh, for landowners and hunters both, because it's, uh, it's been a, been an issue for a long time in North Dakota that would be nice if we, uh, we could definitely have some resolution on the, the controversy associated with that particular issue. You know, and there is another option, Jeb, that you didn't mention that is probably the best option for everybody involved, and that is to stop in and talk to the landowners and and just build that relationship with them uh, before you, you know, if you think it's an area you're going to hunt, stop and get to know those landowners, and that's that's a win-win for everybody. And, and no doubt about it is that if you, if the opportunity presents itself and if you have that uh the preparation to go into it, you're going to have a better experience and, and everybody just feels more comfortable as well with that type of situation. Hey, Jeb, you know, the weather uh, in our part of the world, the climate, you know, that that really is a, a topic almost every single year. This year with our, our current uh, dry, almost drought conditions, um, what do you foresee with that in terms of its effect on wildlife? Well, we're already seeing it. Uh, our, our pronghorn surveys, that we just uh, just completed uh, was we're not uh, not great. Uh, the reproduction uh, as low as it's been since 2015. About about eight percent difference from last year. And, and and you know, and what's kind of frustrating, disappointing about it is we you know we really had a perfect winter of 
of overwintering wildlife in North Dakota last year. So we kind of had to had it had the table set a little bit if we had some decent weather conditions in the in the the spring reproductive season for deer for pronghorn birds but you know we're we're just we're in a really nasty situation now as far as dry conditions go most of the western counties uh we've been keeping records in north dakota for 127 years and most of the counties in southwestern north dakota are either second or third in uh record um dry conditions as far as you know keeping records for those for the amount of rainfall and then conversely for for the heat um most of the counties are 124 125 126 as far as the hottest on record so not only have we received about as minimal rainfall as we've ever received uh, we're also about as hot as we've ever been when it comes to those 127 years of record keeping. So, it you know, it's a, it's a tough year for wildlife, tough year for agriculture producers, and people are just going to need to tread lightly this fall. There's a lot of sensitivity out there due to the really tough year that uh, that people had as far as in the farming and ranching community. All right, Jeb, uh, we really appreciate you coming on Gone Outdoors, and thank you for everything you do, trying to juggle everything, what's best for the wildlife, uh, what's best for the hunters uh, in North Dakota that want to partake in that wildlife. Uh, you guys do an excellent job. Thanks a lot, guys. Always appreciate the visit. Well, that is going to wrap things up for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Appreciate the podcast extra being made available by Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Uh, make sure you check out them Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock. And then also you can check out their podcast at kfgo.com. This has been the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO and FM 104.7. Till next time, I'm Doug Lear reminding you, as always, keep your lines tight and your powder dry. Have a great one out there.